Today on CityCast DC, I don't know if you've been downtown lately, but if you have, you are probably kind of alone. It's still like a ghost town out there. Tristan Navarro from the Washington Business Journal is here to tell me whether it's going to be this way forever. Two years after the pandemic, is downtown doomed? It's Monday, September 26th, 2022. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. Hey, Tristan. Hey, Michael. So I keep catching myself referring to the pandemic in the past tense. Like, remember back in the pandemic? But you go downtown and it's pretty clear, like, it's not like before the pandemic. It is markedly emptier than it used to be. This is uh, stuff you cover, real estate in D.C. Is there data to back this up? Yeah, yeah. The, The big number that we look for in real estate is Castle Systems, which is the company that produces the uh, swiping in uh, key fobs when you when you go into your office, they're tracking on the aggregate level how many people are coming into the office on a daily basis. And in Washington, basically, uh, since April, we've seen the number basically stay steady at only about 40% of people are actually going into work. That is a massive number. Do we know how DC stacks up against other big cities in that front? Yeah, unfortunately, we're behind most of the other major cities, actually. Looking uh, at the week of August 31st, for instance, there were only about 39.4% of D.C. workers actually going into the office on a daily basis, where Dallas was closer to 52%, Austin was at 60%, Houston was at 55%. You know, even New York is is only a little bit below us. And, and for several weeks in the summer, um, there were more people going into the work there than here. So I had worked downtown until pretty recently, and it is obviously super different now. But even in the blessed before times, there was a lot of trepidation about what was going on with offices. People were taking less office space. There was already some amount of transition to working at home. Stores were closing because people buy the stuff on Amazon. There was a lot of changes happening anyway. How much is the pandemic to blame for it? How much of it is like pandemic hitting fast forward? You know, the truth is we can't fully blame COVID. This has been something that people have been talking about for a long time. In some of these businesses, there was a lot of, you know, Friday teleworking and that sort of thing. The real concern is these trends have really sped up because of COVID. You know, you'll have uh, some Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe you'll find offices are almost, you know, maybe 50 to 60% full, whereas next to nobody's going into office on Friday. That sounds pretty reasonable to to someone like me or you don't necessarily need to be in the office on Friday. It's nice to have a focus day. The problem comes when Friday, maybe, for instance, you were going out to lunch with your coworkers um, or you were out in the office, maybe shopping or something along those lines. Even what sounds like a small shift away from the office has big implications for downtown DC's shops and its economy. Right. That's 60% of your customer base. And I wonder, like, when people do go downtown, I don't know if we know the answer to this, but when people do go downtown, is it like, woohoo, I'm downtown today, let me go out to lunch? Mm -hmm. Or is it like, well, I only have to pack my own lunch three days a week now, and so Mm -hmm. I may as well suck it up those days and not waste money buying myself lunch. This is a big deal for people who serve food downtown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we've seen, I think the Washington Post did a piece 
uh, a bit ago that that there had been a big shift of restaurants that had been downtown. Some of them had closed it, but then a few had reopened in the suburbs just because they wanted to be closer to where people were. Are there other ways they are adapting to this new reality? Well, you know, it's been good to see some adaptations that have lasted more takeout. There's more flexibility there. There's been the conversation about the parklets and uh, the streeteries. That one is controversial in some of the neighborhoods. But generally speaking, there's been a reimagination of some of this space that's been emptied out. And, and on the net, that can be a good thing. So, like, it's one thing to go down and find that L Street is weirdly empty on, like, a sunny summer afternoon. But when you get into the colder weather and the end of the day and it's dark early and all of a sudden you are on an empty city street in the dark. And that feels to a lot of people scary. Like if you, if you got jumped, no one's going to see, no one's going to stop them. Is there either an actual jump in crime or a, a, even a, a perception thereof? And, and if so, uh, how scary is that for, for uh, people whose livelihood is down there? You know, it's interesting. Looking at the crime statistics from the Metropolitan Police Department, the results are kind of mixed. We can't really say there's like been a wave of crime. You know, robberies are up this year. There's been, you know, a rise in motor vehicle theft a little bit. Uh, at the same time, some of the other crime, auto thefts are down. There have been fewer assaults. So on the one hand, it's hard to say that there's been this uptick in crime. What we can say is that downtown D.C. leaders are definitely concerned about the perception of crime. The downtown D.C. Business Improvement District is it's a nonprofit organization that's it's really funded by the, the building owners in downtown D.C. That kind of has the edict of a little bit of the marketing, a little bit of the streetscape improvements and some of those things. They have estimated that the central business district is only at about 47 percent of the economic level that it was before the pandemic. And their worry is that the perception of crime is going to continue to drag that down. As Jaron Price, the new executive director, said, it's strange to walk down a city street alone. It feels uncomfortable. There is definitely some visibility of, of D.C.'s continuing homelessness. And those things add up to really create the sense that downtown is less safe. And that's something that needs to be addressed. Leaving aside the, the policing piece of it, are they doing anything to change that perception? For sure. So, you know, the, the bids and, and a lot of the property owners have tried to kind of put a little bit more pressure on D.C. to address homelessness more directly. There are definitely programs that the city has been undertaking itself. But at the end of the day, it, they don't see it necessarily as their responsibility to manage the problem entirely. They could hire like out of work actors to act like <laughs> peaceful, law abiding, safe bourgeois crowds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but listen, this is like a big deal, even if you never come downtown, even if you don't, if, even if you don't care about where people go to lunch, because the real estate downtown is a, a huge chunk of how the district pays for itself, how it pays for schools and uh, cops and, and all the services we get. Uh, can you walk us through like what the effect of this current status quo is? on the tax base and what people think is going to happen? Yeah, the district has several different sources of funding that are all really being imbalanced right now because of the pandemic. 
The big one is that they generate a lot of um, tax revenue from economic activity. So, you know, the taxes on you know meals and, and food and things that you buy at the shops. But at the same time, another big leg of their funding is property tax. So the pandemic has meant that the building values of a lot of the big office buildings downtown have gone down. Now, the problem with that is when the government is getting less money from the value of the commercial buildings, that means that they have more reliance on getting property tax from residences, which means all of the sources that basically aren't taxing homeowners are looking wobbly right now. I think there's some stuff happening that does give a sense of like where the downtown of the future might be uh, or what it might look like. Now that there's been a lot of talk about turning some of these office buildings into apartments, condos, into residential buildings. Can you talk about how that works and, and the state of play with that? So there's been a big push to see more of downtown's older office buildings renovated for residential use. Uh, D.C. has been studying creating more incentives to allow landlords to do that cheaper and, and more quickly. Generally speaking, D.C.'s office market and its rental market have gone in the opposite direction. There's something like 97% occupancy in D.C. apartments right now. It seems like not a lot of people are in a rush to go back to work. Uh, at the same time, lots of people want to live in D.C. Now, you know, there's only so many freeze pops and <laughs> cracker jacks that, you know, your office landlord can offer to bring you back to work. So what's the Is appeal? that what they're offering? Freeze pops and cracker jacks? <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. You know, I think every office building we're seeing, they're, they're sending us press releases, certainly like, hey, we have a food truck festival Friday. Hey, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to offer free snacks uh, in the common areas and we're going to have a concert on the rooftop deck or whatever. That's not really moving the needle on bringing people back. So long term, some of these buildings have outlived their usefulness. It's just time to do something else with them. And they're expensive to tear down. There's no demand for office space of a 40-year-old building. So how can we make it cheaper and quicker for these buildings to become residences? Because it really seems like there's a housing shortage in the district. I mean, I'm no like architect, but that seems super tricky and challenging. Mm -hmm. Just doing things like, you know, windows, if it's a building in the middle of a block. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised, you know, and this is where it's really going to be interesting for the future of the district, because a lot of these older office buildings are actually designed pretty well for residential conversion. In a certain way, we're kind of in an advantage in the district because of the height limits. It's a simpler project than maybe doing it with a skyscraper. But on top of that, we have these large flat floor plates for these older office buildings, which means there's a lot of window space. It would be really, it would be really uncomfortable to build a bunch of apartments that are giant shoe boxes. But if you have these giant expansive windows that some of these office buildings have, they've found that it's, it's much easier uh, an equation to take either an old hotel or, you know, an older office building and, and convert it. People are kind of trying everything they can. And certain things, it's surprising what's sticking well. And sometimes some things don't. But, you know, a city like Washington, there's so much history behind some of these buildings that, that it makes sense to really find a good, a better use for them and, and not just see them kind of fall into decay. How expensive is it? It's pretty expensive. 
it's cheaper when you're talking about something like um, a hotel, which oftentimes already has the piping in. But in many of these cases, in some of these older buildings, they have to strip them basically down to the bones. Are there other cool things? Like I'd, I'd heard about efforts in some places to have like farming in office buildings. <laughs> you know, people are trying a little bit of everything right now is the truth. There's a real understanding that COVID has made us all think about how we want to live and that we want to spend more time together. There's been more popularity for some of these units that are basically really small apartments that have a big common area in the middle where you almost feel like you're on a college dorm because people really want to socialize and they want to meet their neighbors and that sort of community building thing. There's been a lot of popularity of big co-working spaces, taking up the ground floor of residential buildings. So you can have people kind of live work together. The people you talk to on your beat, the, the real estate developers, the, the city officials, what's your sense of how petrified slash optimistic they are? Where are they? <laughs> you know, it's a fair balance of a little bit of both. I think there's a sense of frustration with the federal government because most of the big companies in town are really following their lead and they have not really strongly put out a case to go back to work. In March, President Biden said it was time to go back to work, but most of the major federal agencies have kind of been left to their own devices for how they come back. And everybody's got a different strategy. And there's a sense that nobody's really going to fully be back to work until the federal government really gets its act together on that. At the same time, there's some optimism that now's the time to try something new in DC. This conversation about older office buildings all over downtown has been one for years, you know. What do you do with these buildings? I mean, now it seems like there's been a combination of things from property values going down a little bit to, you know, just the demand for people living downtown that some of these buildings that didn't make financial sense to renovate, now we're finally seeing them become, you know, apartment projects. So I know you're like a reporter and not a, a futurist, but um, <laughs> you'd probably make a lot more money if you were a futurist. <laughs> but put on your prediction hat for a second. What do you think downtown's going to look like in five or 10 years? You know, it really seems like we've finally seen the demand and, and made the case that D.C. can be a 24-hour city downtown. And that's really exciting. In real estate, the idea of downtown versus the suburbs, it's always a pendulum that shifts in one direction to the other. A lot of millennials like me grew up in the suburbs and uh, really enjoy living downtown now. And that's probably not something that's going to change, you know, especially when um, you know, you're put out by COVID and you're at home all the time. Everybody really was finding that they wanted to be able to walk to something while they're working at home. And the district has that advantage. It's just a lot, some of these buildings need upgrades. Some of these buildings need a little bit of love. You need to find a good way to balance having more apartments with not overwhelming the infrastructure. This is really a, a, an inflection point for D.C., where we could see a very different city in a few years, a much more walkable one, one where there's a lot more people living downtown. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Right. Just someone got to figure out where they're going to buy their groceries and send their kids to school. Tristan, thank you so much. I always learn so much when you're here. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thanks, man. And before you go, here's some quick news. The DC Council is considering a bill that would streamline the hiring process at public schools. Right now, it can take more than three months to hire new employees. They aim to shorten that to three weeks, in part by shortening the background check process. 
Meanwhile, Maryland's attorney general settled an unfair practices claim with a property management company owned by the family of Jared Kushner. Remember him? The lawsuit said the company charged illegal fees to tenants in PG County, Baltimore City, and Baltimore County, and housed them in moldy, leaky, rat-infested apartments. The company will pay more than $3 million to settle the case. Lastly, Events DC, the owner of Nats Park, is negotiating with the city to end a dispute over zoning. At one point, the city had even threatened to close the stadium. To avoid that, Events DC now says it's willing to develop 17,000 square feet of retail space at the ballpark, which is actually significantly less than what was originally required. Events DC has said that nobody wanted to fund or shop at that much retail. And that's it for our show today. If you're enjoying CityCast DC, why don't you tell your friend who's actually heading into the office? I bet they could use a commute companion. And also, subscribe to our morning newsletter through our website, dc.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.